I didn't want to ask you this, but can you please say Hera help us? Okay, can we save it to the end? Yeah, that's. I, I was like, don't ask her. Don't be that guy. But like, no, you can totally be that guy. Just that it's hard to move on after you've said it. Yeah, you know I know. I mean? That's talk that's, about. After I've, you know, screamed out to Hera, it's hard to just kind of talk about other things. <laughs> That's, can, I hope we can end the show on that. Welcome back to another episode of DC TV Classics, uh, your home for all of the history of DC on television here on the DC TV Podcast Network. I am your host, Keith Chow, uh, joined once again by Brittany Monet. What's up, Brittany? Not much. How is everyone doing? We are uh, excited for today's episode because uh, we have a real treat for everyone out there in podcast land. Uh, but before we get into it, just a quick uh, rundown of the news, as as we always talk about you know, for a podcast dedicated to shows that have been long gone, we still talk about, like, news bits. So, uh, Brittany, you wanted to mention, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but Wonder Woman, the character, is celebrating her 75th anniversary this year, and the UN just did something special. What did you What did you hear about um, the ceremony that happened down at the United Nations in New York? Well, I heard, you know, mainly good things, but there were a few people actually protesting it. Yeah, that was really interesting that um, in... You know, this this kind of ceremonious thing where, where uh, as we mentioned last time, Wonder Woman has been named this ambassador for girls empowerment around the world. It, was, it wasn't received too well by some folks at the site. Oh, do you remember what their main complaint was? They, a lot of them were just complaining that it was given to a fictional character and not a real woman. And so, I mean, in some level, I understand that. But I think Wonder Woman is so symbolic that... I don't think it's there. It really should be an issue, right? I think the whole the whole idea of naming Wonder Woman as this iconic uh, character, one of the one of the most important superheroes in the mythology, uh, is it, it, I think she was the whole point of that ceremony was to name her as the symbol to kind of rally behind. So I do think maybe some yeah. of those protests were misplaced, but. Um, the good news is that in honor of Wonder Woman's, uh, you know, ascension to actual ambassadorhood, uh, because we know the character has been an ambassador in the in the past, and because it is Wonder Woman's 75th anniversary, we are super duper honored to have Wonder Woman herself joining us for this episode of DC TV Classics. Please welcome to our show the one and only Susan Eisenberg. <laughs> I, yes. feel like, I feel like it should come out with theme music. I wonder if, if Warner Brothers would allow us. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll, no. we'll do that in post. <laughs> well, maybe you know what? You could probably grab a couple of a couple of seconds of it before before cool. the yeah before the copyright yeah. kicks in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that I won't do the interview without it, but I just think it's good to have it. <laughs> Welcome to DC TV Classic, Susan. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So we, we, we have a lot to talk about. Um, okay, you know, as, let's, let's go. Susan Eisenberg is, as, as uh, you may or may not know, and if you don't know, now you know, Wonder Woman on <laughs> Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and, and also in some, some other things, but iconically, uh, for a whole generation of people, the voice of Wonder Woman is Susan Eisenberg. So one, I just wanted to kind of get your sense of like 
because this is the 75th anniversary of the character and you have such a close tie. I mean, you played her for, what was it? Six seasons? Um, yeah. Close to. And, and then of mm-hmm. course, in various other offshoots, like just what is your relationship to Wonder Woman now in 2016, her 75th year on this planet? Uh, I'd like to think it's close. <laughs> we're, we're good friends. Um, you know, it, you can't play her for this length of time and not feel like a tremendous connection to her. And um, I would think that would be true of any character that you portrayed over a long time because you spend so much time in their skin, if you will, mm. and in, in their head and trying to figure out who they are. Um, and so after it's been 15 years since I started voicing her and um, at this point, I feel like she's a part of me, you know, and I say that she's the best part of me. So if if there's something throughout the day where I have a decision to make or I have have to make a stand on something or I have to make a, a choice on something, you know, I often think about her and try to channel her. And um, and, you know, it, it she's she's just always there at, at this stage in my life because I've been voicing her for a long time and I've come to just adore her and I'm you know and, and to, to to have a, a place in her celebration and her um, 75th even a small place you know that's just um, a privilege beyond measure I mean I just it, it's I'm pinching myself still uh, so kind of going back to the beginning you um you said, you know, it's been 15 years. 2001 was when the first incarnation of Justice League premiered on, was it, was it Cartoon Network? It actually, I think it, it was, was a, I it think, was yeah, always I Cartoon think. Network, right? Yes. Um, what was the process for you before getting cast, you know, um, when you went in, like, did you, did you know you were going in for Wonder Woman or was it? I co- did. I so, did because it was a callback. Mm-hmm. So I had audi- I had already auditioned for it, and um, and then you got a call back, and you had to go to Warner Brothers and audition for Bruce Tim, who created the show, and created my version of of her, and um, you had to audition for Andrea Romana, who was the casting director and the voice director, and so I was reading for both of them, and I remember getting a picture of her that that Bruce had drawn and he handed it to me and he, they, they talked a little about what they wanted me to bring to it and bring to the script. And, um, I read a couple of times, they made a couple of adjustments and, and then I left and I, I knew I had done as well as I could have, you know, oftentimes you leave an audition and you're like, Oh shoot, you know, why didn't I read it this way? Why didn't I read it that way? And I didn't feel that for that audition. I, I felt like I may not be chosen, but, that's as good as I can do it in terms of my take on the character and my read on the character. And so, and then I, I got the call from my agent and um, I got the job. Prior to Justice League, you had, you had had uh, some experience, uh, several ex- experience in, in voice acting. Uh, I know Brittany, you're a uh, aspirational voice actress. You've done some voiceover work. Do you have any yeah. kind of questions from like, from a craft perspective for Susan? Uh, I was going to ask because um, do you approach it the same way as you would, you know, when you're playing a character like physically? Well, you know, the interesting thing is I don't do on camera things. So I only have a voiceover career. And so I don't know if, you know, it to me, it is doing an episode of Law Law and Order or, um, you know, any other TV show, Criminal Minds. I mean, it's, it's an episode. You get a script sent to you beforehand. And you have to break it down and you have to figure out what your scenes are and what you're going to be doing in those scenes and who you're going to be playing with. And 
And then you go in and then you have the privilege of working with the best director in the business, who is Andrea Romano. And she's going to walk you through it as well. She's going to set up the scene for you. She's going to give you the background. And then, you, you know, you're in the room with your other co-stars. So I'm not in the room by myself. I'm in the room with Michael Rosenbaum. And I'm in the room with Carl Lumley and, and George Newbern and Maria Canals Barrera. So I'm in the room with them all, Phil Amar. And, um, and we're working together, you know, as as you would on any set, except there, there are no cameras, it's microphones. Mm. And there's no blocking, which is nice. You don't it's, have to block the radio. It's very much like in the old days of like the radio plays almost, isn't it? Well, and that, I mean, I love to do radio drama. I do, I do quite a bit for suspense radio. And um, that's just like my favorite thing in the world to do because it is exactly like that. I mean, there are rules to doing animation and there are things that you have to really be careful of um, when you're recording. And this is a script, so there's obviously no ad-libbing. You're not you're not making it your own, if you will. Um, but you're an actor bringing life to this character, and that's your job, and um, and that's what you get to do every session. You you uh, studied to be an actress even before you came to Hollywood, right? Was that always a a, a goal of yours to be a, to be an actress? And how did you become a, a voice actor? Like, what was that? kind of a transition from studying acting to, to becoming, and I think kind of related to Brittany's question, just like the process of getting into character uh, from behind a microphone as opposed to being on a stage. Or You know what? I studied acting and I learned really early on. I've said this, you know, to a, I've said this in a lot of interviews. I learned really on that I wasn't comfortable in front of a camera. Um, I just felt very self-conscious and it just wasn't something that felt... Um, right to me and mm. having been in front of a microphone when I was very young because I used to do some advertising for my father's business and um, I would do some on the radio for him and so having done that when I was very young it's not as if I was doing that thinking oh I'm going to do voiceover later on when I'm an adult but it, it, it planted a seed I'm sure and so then when I was studying acting and then I came out here I did some on-camera acting I was lucky enough to work with some very generous people who put me in this or that project that they were working on and and then I just decided you know what not for me so then I decided to take all the acting piece I had and just apply it to voiceover so I took voiceover classes because obviously you have to learn how to speak in front of a microphone in a professional way you have to learn how you would act in a recording session if you were lucky enough to be in one and so that I did you know much later once I decided okay I'm going to pursue voiceover and of course, you, you like like I mentioned earlier, you did several um, animated series before getting Justice League, and and you know not to diminish the the shows that you that came before, but Wonder Woman is a whole another level. And what was what was that feeling like when you got the part and 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 you know was told that you were going to embody? Because you know I think Wonder Woman is one of those superheroes that, especially you know at the time, you know two thousand was a different time period for like superhero comic book characters in pop culture than now right now everybody knows everybody right now a talking tree and a raccoon are popular superheroes but and every and everyone knows voiceover you know when i right. started out people didn't know what voiceover was when you said you did voiceover people would say what right what is that and now they know they know it's animation they know it's commercials they know it's promos they know what it is um video games is you know obviously exploded so they know it and it was as exhilarating as you would think it would have been getting that job mm. and it's terrifying because 
it was it was truly i mean um i had done other things i was lucky enough to have you know i it wasn't like my first time walking into a session i knew what it was to walk into a session but i didn't know what it was like to walk into a session as a leading character and um and i don't think i really walked in thinking i'm playing wonder woman mm. i think i walked in i mean the early scripts aren't about a superhero they're about a woman and a, really a girl woman um leaving her hometown and moving to the big city and you know basically mm. it wasn't about you know boom and 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 the fighting the good fight and fighting evil i mean it, it became that eventually but not in the very very beginning of justice league so i got to play her like this young person who is nervous and a little bit scared but also very clear that this was the right decision to make and that she had to leave and so i got to be a little bit vulnerable in my performance which was great because i was you know nervous as could be before you uh got justice league were you at all familiar with like DC Comics superhero care? I mean, like the point I was trying to make earlier, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman are probably the the three. No matter where you are in the world, everyone knows the, the you know like the Trinity. But how familiar were you with with um, with these superhero characters before before getting the role? Um, well, I was very aware of Wonder Woman through Linda Carter because mm-hmm. I absolutely grew up in that era. I grew up in the seventies, so I of course knew the show. Um, and I knew Chris, I knew Superman because of Christopher Reeve, a huge Christopher Reeve fan. And I loved the Superman movies growing up. Um, Batman, I knew from the TV show, but I mean, I've seen all the, you know, not all of the movies, but I've seen most of them. But in 2000, I don't know how many there were out. Maybe Michael, I don't know when Michael Keaton's movie came out, but certainly I was aware of them. Mm. And certainly, but not through comic books. Um, I ha- I hadn't read comic books at that point. I had, I mean, yes, but not Wonder Woman ones. I'd read Archie right. and like that, but not Wonder Woman. So it's not like I didn't. I wasn't a fan at that point, and maybe that was a good thing because I think it would have made me even more terrified to play her <laughs> if, I, if I was carrying that all on my shoulders. Like, okay, now you know, if it that it would have been so big, so much bigger than it even was, if I had grown up idolizing her. Because the thing about, I think, with Justice League and when that show debuted, this was the first time in a long time that, you know, we as an audience got to see these characters. Because it came, it was almost like the sequel to Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series, which right. were also Bruce Tim productions. And, you know, we live in a world now where, where there are all of these interconnected universes where, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the CW Universe, where you have all of these characters appearing on each other's shows. And this was kind of it the first time that, you know, we took continuity from different productions and brought it brought them together and to be part of this giant universe. And, and a universe that expanded, like, tenfold when it became Justice League Unlimited. You, of course, being a professional and you have to you know, memorize your lines and work on your character. You don't have to, wait, you don't have to memorize your Oh, lines. you don't? Yeah, that's right. You're reading no, your lines. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. I mean, are you kidding? It's like the, the projects I've, I've done that I've had to memorize since I've done voiceover, you know, it's just, it's terrifying. Um, mm. Even when I did, I don't know if you're aware, I did this um, this project with Tim Daly and his son Sam called The Daily Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. if you haven't seen it, watch it because it is delightful and funny. And if you're, I mean... It, it, you will laugh out loud. It is so, so, so good. 
and Ben Shelton writes and directs them, and they're, they're just brilliant. Anyway, when I did it, I had to memorize lines, and it wasn't like I had this huge script, and I was so nervous <laughs> because it's been forever since I had to memorize. I Maybe college and plays that I did, right. and so it was just terrifying. But no, as a voiceover actor, you really don't have to memorize, unless you're doing mocap, which right. is a whole discussion. Well, but but you know, in in the midst of it, though, like especially as as the the series progressed and and it has evolved to Justice League, like when did you start feeling like, oh wow, this is this is not just any other job? I mean, I know like taking on Wonder Woman is a huge responsibility, but like when it's happening in Justice League, you're seeing merchandise and you're seeing action figures and you know ca- these characters on book bags and and t shirts. Yeah, and- Right, but you're not re- yes, and so that's all huge. And and when the show was first airing, there was a lot of publicity about the show, like there is with any new show. And I remember going to Comic Con um, a couple of t- San Diego Comic Con. I, I believe we went twice, um, but it was also very early on in the show, and there wasn't social media yet. Mm-hmm. I think it really wasn't until social media, until the Twitter. And I joined Twitter really. I mean, really late. <laughs> so it wasn't until I had started having the conversation with the fans and was able to have that conversation with the fans. Because in terms of going into a store and seeing Justice League toothpaste, I mean, you know that's crazy, like, fun that there is that. But it's also, like, not in your universe. Yeah. Um, unless you're a target. And so meeting the fans, talking to the fans at the cons, which I did later, like, in the last, I'd say, even five to eight years, going to New Zealand and meeting the fans there, going to Australia and meeting the fans there, going here to Denver, New York, um, Seattle, San Diego. I mean, it's just, that's where you got, and that's, that's not that long ago. And you get, oh my Lord, this was, this was such a big deal (laughs) to an entire generation of people. And it is so humbling to find that out. And honestly, I don't know that any of us, when we were in that room at Warner Brothers, at the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is where our offices were, I'm not sure any of us knew how big it was. Even somebody like Phil Lamar, who is a huge comic book fan, you don't know the effect you're having or the impact you're having on the fans until you actually talk to the fans. Right. I was going to say, my friend Val actually really hardcore loves Justice League. So when I told her I was going to get to talk with you, she freaked out. And she's like, that's my Wonder Woman. Like, Susan is mm-hmm. my Wonder Woman. So it's so, like, crazy to hear that you don't realize it until you hear, like, you know, the fans telling you that and how I, much you mean to them. And I think that that's, you know, that's, listen, it's really crazy to hear it because it's, it's it comes from the fans. It comes from their hearts. I don't know how much that's respected outside of that relationship like i know that and the fans know that outside of that relationship between me and the fans i don't know how wide it goes because it seems like outside that relationship there's this huge amount of time from linda carter to gaga dot where wonder woman hasn't existed and yet she did exist right but she existed yeah. in animation and i just feel like animation has kind of gotten forgotten in the story which is which has been hard you know, and I think, but that that kind of brings me back to this idea that you know, it, it's it's almost amazing to realize that Justice League went off the air ten years ago, but mm-hmm. but there was like I said earlier, there was an entire generation that grew up on Justice League, uh, entire generations of children just now discovering Justice League because of Netflix, right? And for them, 
like you mentioned, you know, Linda Carter for a lot of people was Wonder Woman because of her television series, and now for a whole slew of of people, you know, coming up now seeing Gal Gadot on the on the screen, big screen. But there's something about I think voice actors and animated roles because if you ask anyone who calls himself a Batman fan and you ask them who is the best Batman, they're not going to say Christian Bale, they're not going to say right. Michael Keaton, and they're not going to say Ben Affleck. Nine times out of ten, they're going to say Kevin Conroy. And there's mm-hmm. just something mm-hmm. about, you know, hearing the voice. And, you know, I'm how many hundreds of people have told Kevin, when I read a Batman comic, I hear your voice. And the same thing for you. I think hearing your voice when reading a Greg Rucka Wonder Woman comic is just because we are so ingrained. Like, that voice is so ingrained. There's something indelible, right, about about pairing that yeah. voice with the 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 character that that I so, think and that, sticks. And with that's me. what I've been told. So that's been my education because again, I wasn't a fan growing up. I didn't have the comic books in my bedroom growing up, um, and to hear from people who did, and who say that like the cartoons also brought them to the comic books. Mm-hmm. That was their gateway. We you know seeing it on television and then wanting to know the origins and different origins and different stories of these characters. Um, but I, I'm not quite sure. I, I have a few ideas, but not, but not anything I can be clear on, really, as to why that hasn't been told as part of her story. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's an answer to it or when I'll be told, but I appreciate fans like you and fans that I have and, and friends that I have who are such big supporters of um, of the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and, and of that Bruce Tim universe. Mm. I mean, yeah, and I want to get into some of like some like standout memories from from or, and, and hopefully some behind the scenes stories from from the recording sessions. But I, I also think that part of why your version of Wonder Woman, I think, is so iconic for so many people is, you know, if you break it down, I think you as an actor have played Wonder Woman longer than any other actor who's who who's played Wonder Woman. And and to be fair, the, the list of actors who've played Wonder Woman is not long because like you said, there haven't been as many multimedia representations of Wonder Woman, which is which is kind of a a black mark on the industry that assumes that women superheroes don't sell and you know, it's a it's a mentality mm-hmm. that we're still trying to get over now in 2016, but when you when you if you were to like lay out all of the actors who've played Wonder Woman Susan Eisberg has the longest tenure, you know what I mean? And I think that's 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 part of, I think, why, from a fan perspective, you are... And I don't know how many times we can say that no, you are Wonder so Woman. Sweet. No, it's so sweet. And listen, there's no better compliment to, to hear than um, one... There are two amazing compliments I get to hear. Amazing. And they are that I was a part of somebody's childhood because... I know what that's like to have something that matters in your childhood. I had that in mind, and I, I, I never, ever take that for granted. And the second thing is when people tell me that when they read the comics, they hear my voice in the character. And, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, that's, that's the best gift ever as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I'm so deeply appreciative, which is like why I love to go to the cons, which is why I love to be on Twitter because that's, those are the people, that's the relationship I have. I have the relationship with, with the fans that love her and, um, and I love her too. And I'm thrilled that she has a feature film also, you know, I wanted that for the fans and for Wonder Woman. 
because I think she deserves it. But you, you can't be connected to this character and not know how long the fans have wanted this. And now they're getting it. And watching all that energy around it is, um, is wonderful, pardon the pun. So I, I want to dive into like the show itself in a, for a little bit. Uh, Brittany, is there a particular episode uh, of Justice League that stands out in your mind as 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 a you know a favorite? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a Diana centric episode, but you know, I have several. <laughs> <laughs> um, you tell. Yeah, no, I actually really did enjoy um, you know Paradise Lost mm-hmm. and Fury. Mm-hmm. Those are those are so good, and you know, for different reasons. Because in Paradise Lost, you know, Diana has to decide if she wants to, you know, have the men of the Justice League help her, and you know, probably, you know, it ends for her where she ends up being banned from her home. Right. But you know, and I love that episode because it's it's a good journey to see you know Wonder Woman make that sacrifice, and then Fury because. Um, she has to deal with Arisha, who is a rogue Amazon, who takes their their fundamentals that they've grown up with to like, as uh, Shiara says, to the next logical step, which is you know get rid of all the men in the world. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't know. I found that episode very exciting, and I also like the moment between Shiara and Diana, where um, Diana's talking about faith, and she says how that is sometimes the only thing she can rely on. Mm-hmm. That's that's what those are some of my favorite moments. Real quick note on Paradise Lost: what um, my daughter, who's now nine, but she's she's always uh, listed Wonder Woman as her favorite superhero. Uh, and when she was four, and she she was actually Wonder Woman for Halloween that year, uh, she was she would only watch the Wonder Woman episodes of Justice League, right? Like <laughs> she would only <laughs> we would find the ones that were Wonder Woman centric. But the first one she watched was Paradise Lost, and she like sobbed so hard when when diana was exiled at the end (laughs) it was it was was so heartbreaking for her this little four-year-old in her little one woman t-shirt so i just wanted to your performance was very emotional for my four-year-old daughter in paradise lost but um okay you should see the expression on my face right now (laughs) remind me out remind me we're not videotaping but it's 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 like It's like, what a doll, what a cutie pie that she would, I mean, that's so sweet. Yeah, I think just the idea of, like, her mom making her go away. Oh, God. All of these emotions, you know. It was brutal. It was brutal. Uh, Brittany, I know you had a question about a couple episodes that you wanted to ask Susan. I don't know if you remember the episode Comfort and Joy. That's, um, Wonder Woman is actually not on it, but it's kind of where the other characters... (laughs) Okay. I know it's sad, but it's where the other characters they're kind of doing their own little like holiday Christmas, you know, what have you tradition. And since I was wondering what do you think would have been Diana's Christmas holiday, you know, tradition? Especially considering she's a you know goddess in her own right. She is a goddess in her own right. I mean, you know, I, I, that's such a great question, and there are probably people better suited to answer it than <laughs> I, because um, you know, in terms of her religious affiliation. Um, you know, would she get a tree? Sure, of course she'd get a tree. Um, would she want to do angels in the snow? Yes, of course she would want to do angels. Oh, wait, I'm answering as Susan. Um, <laughs> I think she'd be so, um, you know, it's she's so unused to all the customs of the world and how things are done. I think she'd be so awestruck by it all and 
the beauty of the holiday, you know, yeah, that, I just okay. can imagine her so like eyes wide opened and just like, oh my gosh, look at this, you know? So I think she'd want to partake and I think she'd want to learn anything she could about it because after, you know, it's a celebration and it's, and it's, um, and it's so festive and I can't imagine, I mean, she's, I would like to think that she'd be all over that. Yeah, that would have been awesome to have seen because I know Martian Manhunter. He's all he's on that episode and he goes with Clark to the Kent farm. Right, that's and right. So yeah, and he kind of is at first a little bit hesitant about it, but then he really right. gets into the spirit and stuff. So I was kind of wondering, I'm like, hmm, what would have Diana done? <laughs> you know what though? If Martian Manhunter could get, they're so similar. I I always think yeah. of them like you know so similar in. in in character, and I think that if he could get into it and um, and celebrate it, I I think she would have done the same. I really do. Yeah, I think so too. Now that it, yeah, <laughs> you know the the, the constant um, refrain of what would Wonder Woman do it makes me feel like we should make bracelets that say W W W W D and see <laughs> and see what we if we can get away with that. Um, but that's cool. what I said earlier, you know, in the interview. I mean, I think about, her, like, I, when I have to do things, when I have to take the high road or I feel like I should take the high road or make a big decision. I mean, I do channel her, you know, mm. because to me she is so righteous. I mean, and not in a self-righteous way, but just in a righteous way. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I'm sure you get all the time in reference to Justice League is, what was going on between Diana and Bruce? What's well, the... the only reason why it comes up in interviews is because I always bring it up. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, I adore them. Um, but, you know, I'm a huge Wonderbat fan. But having Is that said the that, shipper that... name? Is that Wonderbat, the shipper name yes. for that? Awesome. Yeah. Hello, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it pre- like, which I just like predated, like, you know, portmanteaus for, for you know, when I, at least when I remember watching it when I was younger, I didn't necessarily know that you blended people's names together. But that's all. That makes sense. Wonderbat. Okay. And, you know, and I don't know that it's ever except for, like, maybe one comic book once. It really wasn't – it wasn't a storyline. And mm-hmm. so that wasn't – <laughs> people talk to me about it. Like, you know, one day I decided to flirt with Bruce. And it's like it was written in the scripts, and I just I just thought it was a great – it just was another piece to her as a person. Because, like I've said, you know, we have her as a princess – we have her as a warrior, and those are the two things that I always remembered when I was reading her lines. And then you had this other piece that was introduced, which was this romantic flirtation with, with Bruce. And I just, I thought anything that gives her more to play and another um, side to her personality, I, I always think that's a great thing mm-hmm. um, for, to have in any character. So why not have it with her? I know there are people who don't you know, like her with any man, and that's fair. Or right now, obviously, mm-hmm. there's the whole, you know, Wonder Woman um, and the queer aspect of, of her life, and that's another whole piece to her. Mm-hmm. But this was written in by some people, and they had fun with it, and I certainly had fun with it. I think Kevin had fun with it. And um, and it's just, you know, it's it's certainly better than her and Superman. I yeah. agree. I mean, that's just crazy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I never saw the whole Superman and Wonder Woman being a thing. And I'm like, no, 
Well, no. and, and, and only <laughs> the only reason why I really don't think it's a thing is because to me, I grew up with Lois Lane right. and Superman. And so yeah. to me, that's iconic, that relationship. And, mm-hmm. um, and it just, it would never, like to me, they're brother and sister um, or they're partners. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not love interests. And again, you know, and I joke all the time, it's not like I see Wonder Woman and Batman having children and picking out schools for their children because I never see it going. It's not that. It's just this little piggy it's it's little moments it's a kiss here and there or a wink to the audience and and to each other and i just think that's darling and and i think it's fun storytelling and and i think it you know what makes it what makes it fun is because it's batman too right like yeah so fun to play opposite you know because he's 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 so stodgy and serious and such a brooder and um and I get to make fun of him and I get to poke fun at him. And also, you know, I know his vulnerable. I know that there's a vulnerability there and he cares about Diana. And, you know, when he thinks she's dead, um, you know, he loses it. And so knowing that and seeing that revealed um, in Bruce, you know, that's just that's that's a gem as far as I'm concerned, having that angle to their characters. Other than all of the episodes in which Diana flirts with Batman, is there a favorite, or you know, maybe it's hard to say a favorite, but is there is there an episode that sticks out in your mind, Susan? And not necessarily because of the content, but like maybe the, because there was like something that happened behind the scenes. You're like, oh, this episode reminds me of the time that I don't know Michael showed up without <laughs> wearing pants. I don't know. I don't know what. Right, well, which sounds like Michael. Um, <laughs> if you know Michael, um, no, I mean the thing is, like, I got to work with the the guest stars too. And that, so like any episode that Ed Asner mm. was on, I grew up with Mary Teller Moore show and mm. that was my crazy obsession. You know, when I was growing up, I just loved Mary Teller Moore. I loved Dick Van Dyke. I loved Rhoda. I loved all those characters. And so working with Ed Asner, who can't, you know, was granny goodness. Mm. And also, um, and oh gosh, the, the guy cost- who, who made the weapons, cost- right? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name. It begins with an H. And it's hard to pronounce. My, um, I should get my daughter because she's, you know, after her, her love of Wonder Woman, she became uh, uh, obsessed with Greek mythology. So she could probably you know name him. Greek mythology is so fascinating that we can save that conversation for another time. But it's so interesting. Yeah. I loved it as a kid. But anyway, so like you got to work with Ed Asner. You got to, you know, any day you'd walk in and there would be these wonderful actors who were there to play these characters alongside the league. So depending on who was there, like, you know, Fred Savage was there for for um, Hawk and Dove. Mm. You know, so like as much as you love the script, you're like, there's Fred Savage. And I grew <laughs> up Kevin. in the one Kevin Arnold. <laughs> and so like it's, it was, it was, I'm telling you, there were so few moments that I wasn't pinching myself and that I wasn't just looking around the room and thinking, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I get to do this. There wasn't a time where I pulled into the Warner Brothers lot and didn't feel lucky that I got to do this. And then, of course, when the show ended, and then you think, okay, it's over. And then they get a, you get a call years later to, to do it again. You know, it's just, it's like getting a lottery ticket twice. That's actually a really good uh, segue because I wanted to ask about the Justice League take on Wonder Woman was a very specific version of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And yet you've played her in two two DVD films? Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse and Justice League Doom, which are not um, extensions of the 
the the show, although yeah. many of the voice actors are carried over. Like I think Kevin plays Batman in both. Uh, Tim Daly actually reprises his right. Superman, although he didn't play Superman in Justice League. He did play Superman in his own uh, animated series. And a lot of people don't realize that because George Newbern does such a great like. He's, he and Tim Dilley sound so similar as Superman. They do. They do. And people ask me all the time, like, who's your favorite Superman to work with? And I'm just like, well, <laughs> no, I can't answer that question. I love them both, you know. And I didn't really work with Tim like I worked with George. I mean, George was there all the time. Right. We worked for all those years together. When I did the movies with Tim, Tim wasn't there the days that I w- was there. So the only oh. time I've worked with Tim was actually on The Daily Show that I talked about before. Right. Um, when we worked with him and his son, Sam. So, you know, but they do sound very similar. They yeah. do have that, that same, very similar quality to their voice. But is it a different approach? Because you, are, you aren't playing, like, the Wonder Woman in these films is not the kind of, like, the wide-eyed, like you said, girl moving to the big city type of Wonder Woman. So what was, how did your approach change as an actor when, when playing, like, the Wonder Woman of, of the animated movies versus, like, the Justice League which in which you embodied the character for so long. Right, and also, like, Injustice and also right. DC. Right, and, and the video games, too, right, right. And the video games, and they're all different, but you also have a writer and a director in the room with you. So it's not like, you know, it's... It, I mean, the truth is you're... It's my voice, right? And it's not like you don't know it's me in any of those mm-hmm. jobs. I mean, when I did... If I'm in, like, Skyrim and then maybe you don't know it's Susan. And if I'm in, um, you know, um, if I play Shock T in The Force Unleashed, I don't think you're going to think it's Susan. But anytime I'm playing Wonder Woman, depending on even the character, it's going to be, it's going to sound like what you're hearing now with a slight variation to it. And mm-hmm. so it's like more about attitude. You know, who is she? Is she a wide-eyed innocent? Is she a, you know, a brutal um, fighter in this? Is she... Like, take no prisoners, just all out, um, you know, win at any cost kind of character. And, you know, hopefully she's more than just one thing in any of these projects, but you're directed. You you know, that's the luxury of having a director there to say, okay, here, let me set up the scene. Here's the scene, especially in video games. That's what they're there for, to set up the scene and tell you what they want vocally. And then it's your job to bring it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, and that's where... If you've studied acting, and if then it's just yeah. any other char- It's like any other character. So I'm not bringing the Justice League Wonder Woman. I'm not in the scene with Jean or Flash. I'm in a, a scene with Cersei, and it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting to the death, and you know, an action and go. And so it's it's totally different. But are you not going to recognize it's me? Probably you'll know it's me. <laughs> yeah, you probably will. Um, have you ever had anyone like randomly recognize you in public that as Wonder Woman? Like, you know, say you're like at Starbucks ordering a coffee and then someone goes, oh, my God, are you Wonder Woman? No, because um, because I don't think my speaking voice is exactly like hers. I mean, it's close, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly. And there was a friend of mine who worked as a barista at Pete's Coffee, and he was a huge, huge Justice League fan and we knew each other for a long time and we didn't know what each other did you know he didn't know what I did for a living and when I told him Mm -hmm. who I was and I didn't know that he was a fan I didn't know that he would even know who who that was 
to to see the look on his face, I will never forget it as long as I live, because he had grown up and had loved that show so, 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 so much. And here I am ordering like a nonfat latte every day from him, and he had no idea. And it was so, it was so much fun. But no, most people don't. So, you know, I don't usually do the quote unquote Wonder Woman voice for for adults but I'll do it for children often and what I do is I make them turn around mm-hmm. so that they're not looking at my blonde hair and my green eyes they're looking at they're listening and then they can conjure up their image of her and not be um you know sidelined by looking at me and saying wait that doesn't work you don't look like her at all they're not worried about the visual you know what I mean they're just listening mm-hmm. which is the magic of voiceover. I mean, I love, I love that about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, the, the fact that voiceover acting, um, is slowly getting the respect. Like you said, before, when you started, people did, did voiceover actors were not celebrities and they, they didn't command, you know, their own kind of like booths at conventions like they do now and, and, and have a bit of a celebrity status. I think the respect that voiceover artists are getting more and more now is totally deserved they'd need more respect as the hashtag what is it performance matters yes, uh, you should follow to, to to see how um voice actors deserve even more respect uh in the industry so i just want to say that this has been a such a blast and a total honor for me personally and i don't want to speak for britney but i'm sure britney is kind of like jumping oh, up yeah. and down as well <laughs> <laughs> britney is that true are you jumping up and down because i don't hear it I know I'm excited. I just don't want to be like overly excited where it's like, okay, girl, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up being a fan of certain people. And honestly, like, I just, I just, I don't know. I just think we should, you know, when people say, Oh, I'm going to fangirl out. I'm like, go fangirl. <laughs> like I, I was a fangirl. I know what it is to, you know, have something mean something to me. And if, if I mean something to anyone, I want them to be able to share it because you know, no matter how many times somebody asks me about Batman and Wonder Woman or my experience on the show, it's this person's first time asking yeah. me that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I want to take that into regard. You know, I want to I want to respect that as their ex- their experience. Um, and if you lose that, if if you just get you know like yeah whatever, uh, you know like you shouldn't be doing it because it's it's a privilege to be doing it. It's a privilege to have fans. It's a privilege to have people who know your work and who care about your work. So, you know, fangirl out, Brittany. You, you, <laughs> you know, I love it. I think it's wonderful. That's, I mean, that that's an awesome attitude. I appreciate you having that attitude because I, th- I do think sometimes people forget that, you know, from both sides, right? Fans... Fans can sometimes come off a little bit too entitled to to celebrities and their favorite actors, but at the same time, I think just that the notion of meeting someone that you've kind of been a fan of for such a long time can be, you know, it's a new experience for everyone every time. But I I, I can't thank you enough for joining us on DC TV Classic, Susan. Uh, how can how can your fans, if they don't already follow you, find you on Twitter so that they can engage with you on a on a daily basis? Okay, so they can follow me on Susan Eisenberg one, and please, you know, just engage because I I try to engage back. I mean, um, I love fan art and I love Wonder Woman Wednesdays and 
Themyscira Thursdays, <laughs> Superhero Sundays. Um, I love it all. And and also I'm on Instagram. I'm just, you know, just started on Instagram. So please forgive me for, you know, being so lame on it. But it's Susan Eisenberg 21 um, on Instagram. And then also the the thing I'm really proud of is my my website because we just finished it. And I say we because I didn't do it by myself. I um, I had a creator help me with it, and his name is Adron Buski, and he's he's done an amazing job. So it's SusanEisenbergVoice.com. And, um, yeah, and you can see where I'm going to be, and you can listen to my demo reels and see what other stuff I've done and interviews and photos and all of that good stuff. Again, can't thank you enough for joining us. I'm sure everyone yes, who is – Thank you so much. Everyone who's listening, go out and follow Susan on Instagram and, and Twitter. If, you, if, if you're listening to this show, you're probably already following Susan. Who am I kidding? Uh, but, but check out her new website as well. Uh, Brittany, where can the, the listeners find you online? Everyone can find me at Hi Brittany Monet. Across all social on, media platforms. All, yeah, on everything, yeah. And once again, I am Keith Chow. You can find me on Twitter at the real Chow underscores between the real and Chow. And you can also follow us at the Nerds of Color on Twitter. Uh, the Nerds of Color dot org is the website. And DCTV Classics can be found on Twitter at DCTV Classics. Of course, we are a part of the DCTV Podcast Network. Follow them at DCTV Podcast. Remember to subscribe to DCTV Classics on Stitcher Radio as well as iTunes. And a big shout out to Andy B, our producer. Thank you all out there in internet lands for listening to us talk and fangirl out with Wonder Woman herself, Susan Eisenberg. (laughs) And And if anyone's going to be in Los Angeles this weekend, come to the Stanley Comic-Con. I'll be there. I have a booth and um, I'm going to be doing a Wonder Woman panel. So if you're in town... In, oh, this! I don't know when this will be out. This drops Sunday, so this w- when this goes live, you still you'll still have uh, you have a couple hours left to go check out Susan at Stanley <laughs> Comic Con. <laughs> oh, visit! Uh, <laughs> thank you both. By the way, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thank, oh, yeah. before we go, thank before you. we go, Susan, can we get one last? Yeah. Kara, give me strength. Okay, ready? You guys sitting down? Um, I'm I'm mm-hmm. holding on. Okay, hold on, Kara. Give me strength. Oh my god. That yes. that's it. We got to end there. That's that's the show. That's the show. That's we're done. There we go. The show there is go. done. We, we're done. Are you glad we saved it to the end? <laughs> we are. Yeah. Cuz I don't think we can't do the show ever again. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you out there for listening. Same pod time, same pod channel. <laughs>